It is the Security Weekly News, episode 244. I'm Doug White, and welcome to the week of 2 October 2022. We've got Bruce Willis, Deep Fake and Deep Cake, uh, Com 100, Cyber Month, Chromium, Proxy, uh, Proxy Not, uh, <laughs> Proxy Not Shell, or Proxy No, yeah, it's Not Shell, Proxy Not Shell, Fake Proxy Not Shell, uh, Cobalt Strike, and Jason Wood on the Security Weekly News. Stick around. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. It's the show that keeps you up to date on the latest security news twice a week. Your trusted source for accurate security information and expert analysis. It's time for Security Weekly News. Managing and protecting the world's grueling number of endpoints, enabling Tanium's customers to see, control, and protect every endpoint everywhere. Tanium's mission is to provide certainty in uncertain times with the industry's only converged endpoint management. Trusted by the U.S. military and the majority of the Fortune 100 today, Tanium helps manage and protect nearly 30 million endpoints. Tanium, the power of certainty. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash Tanium to learn more. Right now, everybody is talking about cryptocurrency, and the cyber criminals are hiding in the conversation. Cyber criminals use social engineering loaded with urgency and fear to successfully prey on your company, your employees, and your customers. Spear phishing is just one of the 13 types of email threats. Barracuda has identified 13 types and shows you how you can protect your company, your customers, and your reputation. Find out about the 13 email threat types and Barracuda email protection by going and getting your free ebook at securityweekly.com slash barracuda. That's securityweekly.com slash barracuda. All right, welcome back. And back in 2004, that's a long time ago, uh, but uh, it doesn't seem that long ago, but the Department of Homeland Security and the National Cybersecurity Alliance uh, in the United States started promoting something called Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And I really rem- I remember when they did that. Uh, and as such, we've got events, speeches, you know, the drill. Uh, just like when they have dog month or cat month or people with asymmetric lips month or all those other months that they have so they can sell greeting cards or whatever the purpose of all these things is. But, you know, it gives us all time to come together and talk about cybersecurity and then get back to ignoring it for the other 11 months. Uh, because I'm sure November is, is something else like bad hair month or, oh, it's, it's the don't shave November or whatever that stuff is. But at the end of the day, um, we do have cybersecurity. U.S. President Joe Biden said on Monday in an annual proclamation, and notice annual proclamation, yep, once a year, so, uh, quote, during Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we highlight the importance of safeguarding our nation's critical infrastructure from malicious cyber activity and protecting citizens and businesses from ransomware and other attacks. We also raise awareness about the simple steps Americans can take to secure their sensitive data and stay safe online. Well, I, I, I guess anything helps, you know. But, you know, sending out a pamphlet once a year probably is not going to be enough. But, you know, hey, it's Cybersecurity Month. Don't forget to wear the special hat and all, you know. like So happy, happy Cybersecurity Month. I'm a little cynical about it, if you didn't notice. But I just, you know, it's just a little frustrating. But I, I understand everybody else has to have their month, too. Well, the other day I was installing Windows uh, Windows 10, in fact, on a VM, and uh, and I did what I always do when I install these things is I sat down and I said, uh, okay, Edge, I need to install Chrome. 
And I noticed that Edge was begging me to use Edge instead of Chrome. Like, it was almost pathetic. You know, he's like, please don't, don't do this. And it, it basically literally put up a message that said, you know, before you install Chrome, we use the same engine as Chrome, right? You, you're aware of that. And I was just like, yeah, thank you. Go ahead and install Chrome. Um, but it, it did have a little desperate feel to me, you know, like, what is my purpose? Like, to put butter on that, but, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, anyway, hey, so now they're all in the same boat together, but a new phishing technique can be conducted using Chrome's application mode. So Chromium-based browsers are subject to this, which the, the biggies are, of course, uh, Chrome, Edge, and Brave. And uh, basically, this application mode feature is available everywhere there. And so... It, the exploit will allow you to generate essentially realistic-looking screens that pop up uh, for in the same way that they pop up YouTube or any other type of app that can run on your, your system that's not going to show it as being inside of Chrome. So if you click on certain links on YouTube or whatever, you can pop those up. And it also means they can create lo uh, realistic-looking login screens that may or may not have any kind of URL bars or other menu bars like you would see in Chrome. Uh, and it could, it can be a rendering, of course, as well. So they can just pop that rendering up, and that would allow you know what they call a browser and a browser attack. And Mr. Docs, uh, who was the original source of browser and browser attack uh, documentation, introduced this new set of attack and and put all that together. So app mode will allow the browser to launch other websites in a separate window, and it can also just launch apps in another in another window that pops up. And so that means you can create fake forms. You can get people to type their credentials into that. The example I saw was using a Microsoft login. Uh, so you, know, you can actually use that as a way to scrape credentials right off the desktop. It does appear, this newest one does require that the attacker has to convince you to actually run a shortcut, which launches this whole thing. Uh, but that's been shown to not be that difficult to do. It's apparently a new approach to what they used to use on these scripting attacks where they send you a Word file or a PDF and you click on it and then it runs a script because that's been blocked everywhere. With, you know, Microsoft blocked that in Office recently. Uh, the whole approach, if you're interested in this, is documented in an article with a lot of grim detail. So Kevin Beaumont named this vulnerability Proxy Not Shell. Uh, when he found it, and uh, due to the similarities, to it was very similar to what was called Proxy Shell last year. And this new vulnerability can be triggered by an email login. So all you really need is standard email credentials to actually trigger this vulnerability. Uh, GTSC, who's a Vietnamese-based uh, security research organization, had reported these flaws to Microsoft in the, in the first place. Uh, back in August, I think, and they had seen them being exploited back then. Microsoft claimed that a state-sponsored threat group had chained those vulnerabilities together, but that they had only targeted 10 or fewer organizations uh, around the world. Still bad. Uh, but anyway, as a result, because Microsoft did not have security patches for this, uh, they proposed a mitigation that they worked on with GTSC and Microsoft uh, that supposedly would get us all by until... Uh, such re so security patches could be released. A researcher known as Jang, uh, or Yang, I don't know how, I don't know the pronunciation of it, but J-A-N-G, claims that the mitigation proposed, which is a changing and URL rewrite rule, is very easily bypassed, and there's details about that in that article. Uh, CERT Coordination Center at Carnegie Mellon released an advisory which explained the mitigation problem as well. So the conclusion is that the mitigation probably doesn't help much. 
So if you've got these vulnerabilities in Exchange and Microsoft hasn't patched them yet, uh, you may have issues with this if people can get to that server, which you know is kind of the point. So definitely take a look at that if you're running Exchange server. In the same light, scam artists uh, immediately jumped on board and they are pretending to be security researchers and selling fake proof of concept uh, proxy not shell exploits. <laughs> so they're like, okay, uh, we don't have an exploit for this, but we can just sell you a fake one. Uh, I don't know if the people buying these exploits are being scammed are actually hacker type people or if they're like security specialists or maybe they're trying to get Microsoft to jump on. But supposedly these exploits are advertised as working with these new Exchange Zero Days. GTC, uh, GTSC had initially reported all these attacks and Microsoft confirmed this Zero Day uh, back in August. Uh, Microsoft said now they are expediting security updates to fix this hole, but in the meantime, someone's creating GitHub repositories which offer to sell fake proof of concept exploits for the two vulnerabilities. Huntress Labs said that accounts JML4DA, Tim Walbay, uh, Leo Zhao King, uh, and uh, Rue Sevener, and Spherox were among the accounts that were selling this access, and Paolo Pacheco found an account which was actually impersonating Kevin Beaumont, who originally you know, found this uh, exploit, and the account was pretending to be Kevin Beaumont. All these GitHubs have readme files in them that basically has a link to a, uh, a Satoshi disk page where you can purchase the fake exploit for either $420 or $630, depending on which one you're looking at. Uh, now, considering that Zerodium apparently is offering around two hundred and fifty thousand U.S. dollars for Exchange Remote Code Execution Zero Days, it seems a little suspicious right up front. But maybe you don't know that somebody's offering to pay that much. Um, so you know, scammers, scamming scammers. I mean, imagine that. It's it, you know, it, it's. But again, they may be trying to sell these things to legitimate uh, security research firms as well. A new phishing campaign is targeting U.S. and New Zealand uh, job seekers with a document which installs Cobalt Strike on the victim's device. Uh, Cisco Talos reported on this matter and said that the two different phishing lures were being used, uh, but both of them were targeting job seekers. And basically, we've seen this before, and it's been a common thing that's out there. Uh, but basically, they send a malicious email which claims that it has a, a very lucrative job offer in the United States federal government. You know, is there any? I, mean, I was like, what? A lucrative job in the federal government? I mean, you know, I, I was like, I don't, I don't think it actually works that way, folks. But uh, regardless of that, that, that's what they're promising: is a lucrative job offer in the U.S. federal government. And the email is supposedly from the Office of Personnel Management or OPM. Uh, a similar document was also being distributed that impersonates the New Zealand Public Service Association, or PSA, which is the Federal Employees Union in New Zealand. It didn't say if that, that one was promising jobs in New Zealand or promising jobs in the United States, but either way, this is an old tactic uh, that's, that's you know back around. Uh, once you open this document, it triggers the download of a Word document template from a Bitbucket repository. Some basic scripts then uh, assemble a more complex PowerShell script and downloads a DLL, which is called newmodeler.dll, and then sideloads that through run DLL32exe, which is a pretty standard tactic for these kind of malicious DLLs. But the DLL is Cobalt Strike. So when run DLL32.exe actually loads it, it's, it's Cobalt Strike. So then they've got a way to get into the system. 
Uh, I would, you know, I guess I report on these because I want to be sure you notify all your people about these kind of things. They were targeting all sorts of different industries with this. And so they're obviously trying to get uh, access to various networks using this tactic. And it apparently works. So, you know, we, we definitely have seen that a lot. And also in the let your people know category, uh, a free chat app called Com 100 uh, was used to deliver payloads to users, according to CrowdStrike Falcon, who called it a supply chain attack. Com 100, if you've never heard of it, is pretty widely used, and it's an app that allows companies to directly communicate with people uh, that are visiting their websites in real time. So it's one of those pop-up apps that you can, you know, when somebody comes to your website, you can say, hey, would you like to chat with a person? Uh, the campaign ran for at least a few days starting on the 27th of September and was still running on the 29th of September. I guess that's, they stopped it after that. Uh, but basically, you know, this was this typical thing where they get a session going with you and then try to pop a link up to something. Comments in the code uh, and other uh, clues indicated it might be a Chinese-developed uh, application. Uh, maybe. I mean, obviously, you could fake that as well. But this same group apparently had been targeting gambling entities in Asia with similar scams. Uh, there is, if you're using uh, COM100, there is an updated installer you can download that will prevent this from going on. So, you know, if you have that product in place, you might want to do an update. And the threat of deepfakes is finally here. Uh, I mean, I remember when I first started seeing stuff about deepfakes and, and I, you know, I was like this, you know, a little early and we saw a lot of, you know, there was all sorts of stuff from fake pornography with, you know, celebrities faces pasted on other people's bodies and on and on and on. But I think I agree with the headline. I think we're, we're there. Uh, I just, you, I was creating a fake data set this week uh, for use in a class and I was able to not only create all the users and push them into Active Directory, but I was also able to get photographs of them from an AI generation site. So I actually used this person that does not exist, and I was able to download pictures, convert them into snapshots, and paste them into their Active Directory accounts. So all my people actually have a photograph. The, the photographs could be a little squirrely, but nevertheless. Uh, but I, we're seeing more and more of this. A new study in this was uh, about the use and abuse of deep fakes. And it showed that all the needed elements for widespread use of this technology are available and are being sold in open forums and the dark web, as well as being available for free. Um, you know, I mean, whether it's Dolly or any of these other uh, mid-journey, there's a whole bunch of them out there now where you can actually try to construct photographs or all kinds of things. But deepfakes tend to be more animated than that, right? So deepfakes tend to actually be like action uh, video of a person or persons that you control. Uh, so basically, Trend Micro published this report, and they said that many deepfake phishing business email compromise and promotional scams are already happening that use deepfakes. And I mean, if you get even just a voicemail from your boss that sounds like your boss and talks like your boss, you might actually follow those instructions. And I mean, they certainly have deepfakes just for you know, audio. And, you know, the old scam where they call and get you to change the, the routing numbers on accounts is a very common one. And people fall for that even when the voice on the other end of the line has an accent or maybe doesn't use English uh, or, or whatever language you're speaking, uh, you know, idiomatically. And people fall for that anyway. Imagine when that person on the other end actually sounds like somebody that you know or it's a video call and you can actually see this person telling you what to do. 
Uh, imagine, and we've seen this already happen, the impersonation of political opponents uh, and the creation of deep fakes where you get you know, a political opponent to literally say whatever you want. Uh, there was one with, I think, Nancy Pelosi last year. There have been other political you know, hit jobs that were put together using deep fakes. And you know, considering that most people can't even distinguish a lie when a lie is being told and it's labeled as a lie and there's a warning that it's a lie and there's evidence that it's a lie because you can just look it up and see the person, you know, it's obvious they're lying and you still can't get that it's a lie, we're probably all doomed. But criminal groups are looking to hire experts on this, according to the report, and they're advertising on the dark web currently at all levels for, dark, for deep fake experts on media. According to another report in that same light, VMware... Uh, deep uh, from VMware, deep fake enabled threats were here, and 66% of the respondents to the report said they had experienced an incident which involved some sort of deep fake over the past 12 months, which was a, a, a I think something like a 13, 14% increase over last year's report. Um, I honestly think this stuff is very scary. I mean, it's very cool at the same time. I mean, I love playing with these things. I love playing with chat bots and, and all these you know imaging sites and whatever. But it's, it seems like it's very, very easily to be misused. Uh, currently, according to this report, detection of deep fake is very difficult. And, and I've seen some, and I'm going, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you would determine if that was real or not. And, you know, and of course, most people won't spend much time researching what they're being told anyway, so they just believe what they're shown going to get ugly. I, I, I really, really think so. Well, one of the most successful hand models of the 21st century, if you've seen an ad with a hand in it, he was probably the source. His hands are so successful, they're often used in place of other actors' hands in films and ads at great expense. Meryl Streep once said, my hands are so icky and gross and knobby, we had to hire a stunt double hand, and this was absolutely amazing. So please welcome deep hand faker, Jason Wood. Hey, everybody. Uh, good to be with you as always. Um, and I just to follow on to the deep fake stuff. I remember reading something about that where they said it's going to get so good. The only way to tell the difference is going to be with another computer looking at it. So yeah, I, I agree with Doug. That's going to turn into a mess. Um, so this article actually, you know, is kind of a funny, uh, headline in some ways, cyber criminals leak LA school data after it refuses to ransom which I think they vice meant uh, refuses to pay the ransom is what they're going on. But it appears that we are moving into the winding up phase of the intrusion at Los Angeles Unified School District or LAUSD. Um, as you know, now the data is starting to be published on the, uh, the attackers data leak site. Uh, basically LAUSD has refused emphatically to pay the ransom. And, and, you know, now as a result, things are getting published. Uh, the intrusion actually occurred over Labor Day weekend last month in September, uh, basically the first weekend of the month, uh, for those not in the United States. And, you know, it began with the usual type of stuff. Um, Critical systems aren't working. Things are going sideways. We've got statements from the victim saying that they're responding to it, and they've got some kind of outage going on. Maybe some vague references to to the actual, you know, the idea that hey, this is some kind of attack. Um, but you know, one thing that I thought was interesting about this intrusion, you know, on top of all of that, it actually involved a fairly speedy involvement with law enforcement um, and other. Uh, 
government agencies. LAUSD is the second largest school district in the United States with about 640,000 students every year. Uh, so an attack like an on an organization like this is a major event. And as a result, the FBI, U.S. Department of Education, uh, DHS's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, or CISA, and local in law enforcement were also notified and involved in it. Plus, I'm sure response firms and, and additional support that they needed on the technical side. So this really blew up uh, in a major way um, as far as the response from the, the school and trying to cope with this. The, um, you know, the school district, obviously, they had a long road ahead of them. They had to go through the process of restoring these applications uh, any data that was corrupted or, or ransomed. Uh, they reset the passwords for all students, teachers, and staff in mass, um, which that had to have been a whole lot of fun. In fact, I read one article where they talked about uh, some statements about the difficulty that they experienced and, and kind of weren't expecting that level of difficulty uh, in resetting what, 700 thousand some odd accounts i don't know i mean it's it's a huge huge organization once you get into you know all the other staff as well now to lausd's credit they appear to have been able to still provide classroom instruction transportation meal services and other programs uh that are really kind of the core of what a school district does um i'm sure there was some modification of frustration on the part of the students and the teachers and, and admin staff. But, you know, after two years of dealing with all kinds of disruption from COVID, uh, the teachers were probably in a better, and, and students were probably in a better place to uh, deal with whatever it is that needed to be done uh, as they work their way through this. Now, the attackers themselves are reportedly uh, a known ransomware group called Vice Society, and they're based apparently out of Russia. Uh, in this particular intrusion, they stole 500 gigabytes of data from uh, the school district systems, and either they've begun posting it or they have fully posted it, and people are still just downloading it and grappling with what's there, which is probably more of what was going on. Um, the... Um, I lost my place. There we go. And so, yeah, anyhow... The, the group set a deadline for October 4th to pay the ransom. Um, LAUSD came out and very publicly and strongly said, no, it isn't happening. Uh, in fact, we're not even going to talk to you or negotiate with you. Now, I think everybody here at Security Weekly, uh, the hosts, have, have at some point taken the position and said, you know, hey, victims shouldn't pay the ransom. This just provides more incentive for the attackers to keep doing it. Um, However, this intrusion does really illustrate some of the impacts that come with that that type of situation or that type of response, and the data still gets leaked out, and there's are, there are impacts and costs associated with that. Um, you know, initially the the when we start dealing with ransomware, data gets encrypted, and either you paid the ransom or you restored for backup, or you just lost the data, and some folks lost their businesses due to that. Now, you know, obviously extortion has been added to this, where we're, hey, either, well, an additional layer of extortion, which is not only will not give you your data back, but we'll, we'll get, or <laughs> I guess they'll give you your data back. They'll leak it publicly. Um, and, and provide some kind of loss there to you or impact to you as far as um, 
you know, embarrassment, regulatory fines. I mean, who knows what the fallout of this is going to eventually be on, you know, the, the school district as far as impact people's jobs and, and fines and things like that. Uh, regardless, LAUSD decided pretty quickly, yeah, no, we are not paying out. Here's a statement actually from the school district. It says, Los Angeles Unified remains firm that dollars must be used to fund students and education. Paying ransom never guarantees the full recovery of data, which is correct. And Los Angeles Unified uh, believes that public dollars are better spent on our students rather than capitulating capitulating to a nefarious and illicit crime syndicate, end quote. Uh, totally agree with that. Very polite way of basically saying screw you to vice society. And, uh, you know, like I said, candidly, I agree with this, even with the impact that they're dealing with, which is not necessarily very easy as well, you know, as we get into the data that was leaked. Um, in fact, Vice Society did leak some data that I found to be a little bit alarming. I've gotten kind of used to the idea that, hey, your social security number, your address, your tax forms, your whatever it is, has been leaked as part of some kind of incident. We've all received those notifications. Um, but the information that also is included in this uh, and has been posted it has stuff like um, conviction reports, I'm assuming, of students you know, that have some kind of trouble with with the law, um, hopefully not teachers, but who knows? Um, health information and one that kind of caught my attention, which was psychological assessments of students. The idea of that information being leaked out to the public, uh, really a lot more uncomfortable to me. I would hope this wouldn't show up in any background checks in the future because somebody's you know looking up some information on somebody and oh look at what I found in this data leak. Um, you know, now that this child is an adult. Uh, but it certainly would be ripe for ha harassment of all kinds. Uh, really, the school districts are in a bad spot for these types of attacks. And so are all victims. But school districts in particular are dealing with important information. And their budgets always stink. They're really thin. They've got very small staff. Um, so security teams, like I said, they're, they're usually quite small. They're juggling a lot of tasks. They're doing IT work. They're doing security monitoring, supposedly. They're trying to respond to whatever the students are doing. In fact, I talked to one of the, uh, one gentleman who worked on one of these teams, and he was describing some of the challenges, you know, that he and his team were dealing with, with just the normal shenanigans that high school students and junior high school students get up to, um, which probably many of us could think back on our own time in school and and uh, and uh, recollect on. Regardless, uh, according to at least one post on Security Boulevard, it, uh, U.S. schools lost $3.56 billion last year in 2021 to ransomware attacks in one form or another. Ransoms responding to it, um, you know, costs associated with it, whatever. Uh, while ULAUSD didn't pay up to the criminal group, there's obviously still going to be a significant monetary loss due to the intrusion and hopefully it would be stuff that would have been spent on students rather than, uh, you know, maybe somebody's nice new office. Either way, the problem this problem has got is not going to go away anytime soon. Uh, the costs of not paying a ransom are really, you know, very real and frequently very high. And in this case, you know, there's pretty severe impact at least as people's comfort with the data that's been lost and we'll see what happens how that gets used. Um, you know, many victims of opt uh, to avoid pay, opt to pay the ransom just to avoid this sort of thing and unfortunately that is going to encourage the criminal groups 
So, you know, it's, it's a difficult one for us to deal with and grapple with. Um, to close it out, I just really like this comment about these groups from Alan Liska of Recorded Future. Uh, they decided against the choice of being decent human beings a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, true words, never spoken. Thank you, Jason. And of course, once you tell you, once you go down that road, it's just like all bets are off, right? Once you, once you realize you can rip off little old ladies or whatever, it's just like you, you, you just say, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, this is really, really bad. All right. And finally, speaking of deep fakes, there's this rumor that is apparently going around that Bruce Willis, you know, famous Bruce Willis actor, action film star, whatever, and he has aphasia, which is a disease that you get that, that causes you to be unable to communicate. It sounds really awful. But uh, the rumor is that Bruce Willis sold his image to an AI startup that specializes in deep fakes. And the rumor is basically implying that Bruce Willis, who will no longer be able to work, and I guess is currently no longer able to work, did this so he could continue to star in films and ads despite not being able to actually do it you know, himself. Adoru? I mean, anybody read Adoru? Yeah, well, anyway. If William Gibson predicted everything that Arthur C. Clarke missed. But anyway, uh, Bruce's agent denied that this is true and said that Bruce did not sell anything to Deep Cake, and I had to read that twice because I was like, wait, did they misspell this? But apparently the company that he was working with is called Deep Cake, who makes deep fakes. Yeah, I think they get a lot of confused people calling, and I'm not even going to look up Deep Cake on Urban Dictionary because there's no telling what it means. But, you know, there's probably everybody from my mother calling, you know, and saying, I'd like a deep cake to, you know, people calling going, a deep cake, eh? But anyway, I'm, I won't bash your company name. But uh, <laughs> it was a, I, I kept looking at it going, I think I've got problems with my eyes. But anyway, Bruce apparently did actually work for Deep Cake back in 2021 and made some sort of ad with CGI for a Russian telco called Megaphone. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. So, but the rumor is apparently untrue that he is now on well on his way to becoming a permanent actor that is just a deep fake. What a world, what a world. And that is the news. Thanks, Jason. We'll see you Friday for the wrap-up show.